You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the reading of the October edition of the Crestone Eagle. My name is Paula Vaughn. We're going to start with news from the BGPOA. This is written by POA Member Services. Dear members, neighbors, and friends, we hope this letter finds you all healthy, peaceful, and content. It's humbling to observe the passage of seasons and realize it's already time for another annual meeting. As we prepare, we are reminded of impermanence and how swiftly our precious time flows by. At this moment in time, we feel it is important that we consider our mission and reflect on our efforts to successfully accomplish this mission. As outlined in our governing documents, the mission of the association is to protect property values for the benefit of all owners within our community to enhance health, well-being, and safety in our community, to preserve the natural environment, and to encourage the protection of environmentally sensitive areas such as wetlands, wildlife corridors, and stream beds. In pursuit of that mission, many of our property values experienced considerable appreciation. While several factors contribute to our property values, the Property Owners Association, POA, remains committed to allocating resources to maintain our common assets in support of that appreciation. Several new committees and groups have been formed to help further involve members and to gain additional insight into the needs and wants of our community. Additionally, in the combined effort of achieving safety in the community and preserving the natural environment, we've been working to mindfully balance the needed efforts of fire mitigation with our preservation efforts in order to continue to protect our natural resources from the omnipresent danger of wildfire. Over the past year, the POA has made significant strides toward long-term success and sustainability. It has also successfully navigated several sensitive and important issues facing our community. Most notably, assessment participation, which increased from a 58% three-year average prior to the last year to 90% participation this year. This increase is a grand step toward long-term sustainability of the POA. This financial stability and sustainability is very important as we work to rebuild our reserves and simultaneously repair or replace aging equipment and infrastructure. For descriptive example, our reserves decreased from 2019 to 2021 by nearly 50%, and the average model year of our maintenance fleet's heavy equipment is 1990. With many items originating from the 70s and one item is circa 1956. While this speaks volumes about the immense care provided by our maintenance, team, it also highlights the financial challenges, patience, and diligence that will be required to navigate the somewhat opposing tasks of increasing reserves and investing in equipment to maintain our community. Also, as we all know, we have had a year with significant inflation affecting all of our costs. Please know that your board of directors, management, and the entire POA team remain committed to accomplishing the stated mission. We do not take this responsibility lightly and will earnestly work to successfully fulfill this mission. 
We are grateful at this time for our competent and friendly team who have demonstrated extraordinary commitment to serving our members as well as for the decades of experience they possess with financial responsibility, managing complex operations, and leading organizations at an executive level. Finally, let's remember what the association is. It is you. It is all of us, our neighbors, our friends, our volunteers, our homes, and our families. Together, as members and neighbors, we are the Baca Grande. It is not a physical address, nor a handful of team members, nor a place of business. Knowing this, our goal is to continue developing the framework and culture that has been successful this past year. The flow and impermanence of form within the Baca means we will likely continue to see members and teammates come and go. In our minds, this nature is something to embrace, and our goal is to establish a structure that is harmonious with this flow, creating a framework that will sustainably support new team member transitions and strengthen the mindset that the Member Services Office of the Association, as our team refers to it, exists to support and serve our members along with the entirety of the Baca Grand community. Like all of you, we choose to live here, to be a contributing part of our neighborhood, and we truly believe our community can be a positive example for our world, for all sentient beings. With kindness, appreciation, and respect. Written by Claudia, Brad, Diego, Eddie, and Leroy, your Board of Directors. Now turning to notes from the pyre, parking lot creation will add more than 25 spaces. This is written by Gussie Fauntleroy. Since the Crestone End of Life, CEOLP's founding, more than 15 years ago, parking for open-air cremations has often meant a fairly long walk to the pyre site, either from near the Baca Grand Property Owners Association, POA offices, or from the POA's mitigation pit area. That is about to change. In July 2022, the joint boards of CEOLP and its Educational Outreach Branch, Informed Final Choices, IFC, began exploring the possibilities of building a parking lot directly across the road from the start of the Pyre site's procession path. After more than a year of discussions with the POA, working with a surveyor, and lining up insurance and earth movers, excavation will soon begin. The new gravel parking lot, for use only during CEOLP cremations, will measure 60 by 120 feet and provide safe, easy parking for 26 to 28 vehicles. It will offer close parking for the hearse, family members, and guests, including those with disabilities. By contrast, with earlier parking options, guests often walked three-tenths of a mile to the pyre site from the road leading to the POA office. The new arrangement will also provide close access for guests carrying items to be placed on the altar at the pyre site. After the IFC CEOLP board decided to look into part building a parking lot, board member Fane Bermnan attended four POA board meetings over a period of a year to discuss the project. The POA generally approved of the idea, but a location had to be determined, and CEOLP was required to obtain liability insurance for the parking lot. The first location considered was a large lot earmarked by the POA for community service use, but it was larger than CEOLP needed. The POA then suggested an area on the lot containing the mitigation pit where there will be no future development and which is closer to the pyre. The site was agreed on and Berman arranged a survey of the property line between the mitigation pit lot and the community service lot.
Once CEOLP and IFC located a source for liability insurance, the POA gave its final approval. Skokland Excavation was hired for the work, including grading and applying road base and gravel. The new parking lot will have two entrances onto the existing road. Because the lot's southwest side is about 150 feet from the community service lot property line, there is room for expansion if more parking is needed in the future. The road above the mitigation pit will still be used for volunteer and overflow parking. CEOLP is pleased because the parking lot will provide more safety and convenience for the people it serves, Berman said. And we have this, CEOLP Death Cafe and Registration Come to the Cloud. The Crestone End of Life Project, CEOLP, will host a death cafe on Sunday, October 29th from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. at Cloud Station in downtown Crestone. The free event, open to the public, is an opportunity to gather with others in small groups, over refreshments, and talk about anything on your mind and in your heart related to death. The Death Cafe is an international movement aimed at breaking down the cultural taboo that discourages talking about the one thing we all have in common. CEOLP volunteers at each table help open the conversation through the use of Death Cafe question cards, although there is no requirement to use the questions. Anyone may speak, being respectful of also allowing the rest of the group enough time. Intellectual theories, religious dogma, or abstract ideas are not the aim of these conversations. Rather, participants are encouraged to speak from the heart, from personal experience of being with a dying loved one, or of one's feelings and reflections on dying and death. Everything shared at the event remains confidential. No registration is required to attend the Death Cafe, although it is important to arrive before 3.30 p.m. so the event can start on time. For more information on Death Cafes in general, visit the website www.deathcafe.com. Registration Party. On Saturday, November 4th, CEOLP will host a registration party from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. at Cloud Station. This is the easiest way to become registered with the CEOLP and thus eligible to be served with open-air cremation or natural burial. Registration packets will be available and CEOLP volunteers will be on hand to answer questions. Copy machines and a notary public will also be there, so you may complete the documentation while at the event or take a packet home and complete it later, although there are three pages requiring a notary. CEOLP requests a $10 donation for registration and there is a small fee paid to the notary public. All Swatch County residents who have lived in the county for at least 90 days prior to registration may register for CEOLP's services. CEOLP can only serve individuals who are registered prior to death. For more information or to download the CEOLP registration paperwork, visit the website www.crestoneendoflifeproject.org and see the section on registration. And now turning to the happenings column. Trunk or Treat, a Crestone Halloween Tradition for Kids. This was written by Deanna Wilfong. The annual Crestone Halloween Trunk or Treat is on. If you love being creative, enjoy delight in a child's face, or just like to play, please consider joining us downtown on Tuesday, October 31st, starting at 5 p.m. Kids start coming out at 5 p.m., so come early to set up and find your spot. Then, we all hang out downtown for some Halloween fun. 
As part of the usual trick-or-treat scene in the downtown area with businesses and houses, you can decorate your car, dress up, or just keep it simple and provide extra stops for the kids. Park around town in front of the Eagle, the Crestone Artisans Gallery, the Post Office, the Mercantile, the Elephant Cloud, or T-Road Brewing. Grab a few friends and make clusters around town tailgate style. As the kids go door-to-door, they can also go car-to-car. Please be prepared for the kids to go around the block a few times as we live in a small town. Elaine at the Crestone Mercantile is once again prepared to accept donations and help out those who want to play but may not have the means to purchase candy. Stop by and speak with her if you need candy and please support the cause by donating. A donation jar is at checkout. You are a creative bunch, so here's your chance to dive into some creativity. And we have quite a few regional events in Alamosa, October 26, 27, and 31, The Haunted Manor from 5 to 11 p.m. If you're in the mood for a good scare, then The Haunted Manor is the place to be. October 27th, Story Slam, Halloween edition from 7 to 9 p.m., Narrow Gauge Book Cooperative. Storytellers drop their name in a hat and are chosen at random to share. Participants have five minutes to share their best, true stories related to the theme. October 31st, Asylum from 6 to 11 p.m. A haunted house put on by ASU's nursing department is a great option if you're looking for a good scare this Halloween. Admission is $5, but you can get a dollar off with a donation of a canned food item or winter coat. Also October 31st, Halloween Skate Night from 6 to 9 p.m. Help kick off skate ice season at the Alamosa Ice Rink. Don your Halloween costume and join the coolest celebration in town. And also October 31st, Halloween Bash at the Brew Pub from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. If you want to make delicious local beer a part of your Halloween plans, look no further than the San Luis Valley Brewing Company. And also October 3rd, 31st Lou Dog and Friends Costume Party from 7 to 10 p.m. Make your dog a part of this year's Halloween celebration. Get your furry friend in their best costume and visit Lou Dog at Square Peg Brew Works. Prize for best costume. Now moving from Alamosa to Moffat, October 26 to 29 at Moffat Joyful Journey Retreats. Rise of the Soulful Woman Retreat. And in Monte Vista, October 28th, Monte Vista Halloween Festival from 4 to 9 p.m., downtown Monte Vista. Bring the kids in costume and enjoy Trunk or Treat on Adams Street. And be sure to visit the local businesses for trick or treating. And in Salida, on October 26th, Halloween Queer Family Potluck from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., don't miss out on this spooky edition of the monthly PFCA Queer and Trans Family Potluck at Salida United Methodist Church, 228 East 4th Street. October 27 to 28, 2023 Salida Freak Show. Monarch Madams proudly presents the third annual Salida Freak Show, a 21 plus, 21 and over in age, Halloween community talent show and local burlesque showcase at Stoke, 720 U.S. 50. And on October 29th at Salida, Roller Derby, Halloween mix-up at Arc Valley High Rollers, Chaffee County Fairgrounds, 10165. 
County Road 120. Oh, and this is in Poncha Springs, Colorado. And in Westcliff, October 28th, Halloween Festival at Beckwith Ranch from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Celebrate with your kids carving pumpkins, entering a costume contest, while enjoying great music, markets, and local vendors. Now let's turn to the Garden Guru column, written by Maddie Bell Lockish. This month's column, Artem Harvest. It's been an unusual fall. Like the spring, fall has been mild. As I write this in the middle of September, Crestone has not had a killing frost. There have been exceptions, of course, but a 90-day growing season has been our norm. In 2023, Crestone and the surrounding area had no frost after May 1st, and on September 15th, it was raining, with no below 32-degree temperatures in the forecast. This follows a chilly and damp June and a hot, dry July and August. Many of our plants are confused. September and October are usually beautiful fall months, often with some rain. We often get our first snow on Halloween. What will happen this year? As I wander around my garden, it seems a bit confused as well. Lots of plants got off to a slow start in June because of the chill, then they roasted in July. Some greens, especially kale and chard, are beginning to grow again and with the latter frost, may extend the leafy greens season longer into the fall. My cabbage heads are still small, and I'm hoping they'll fill out. Cauliflowers still have a chance. Broccoli is sending up more small side shoots. The hot, dry summer was great for my cucumbers. Often cucumbers don't do much because it just doesn't get warm enough. A long-time resident told me to plant them in tires as the black tire gathers and holds more heat. This strategy worked well this year, and I've had a chance to make pickles. However, the squash harvest has been skimpy and late. Maybe it's my bad timing planting squash late, or maybe other gardeners also saw later fruiting for both winter and summer squash. Fortunately, the later fall frost is giving them a chance to make up the growth. Squash, especially large winter squash, needs a lot of needs a lot of warmth early to grow and set fruit. Kizen and Janet's garden grows the best winter squash. One of their strategies is to plant the longest season varieties such as Hubbards in the second year compost pile. The decomposition of the compost generates enough heat to get these plants off to a strong start. This means that they can set young fruits early which can usually attain basketball size before frost. Without the extra heat, mine are struggling to mature. I'll use the ones that don't get tough outer shells as I would summer squash. In spite of the weird weather, it's been a good year for fruit. Apricot, plum, and apple blossoms survived the spring frost, then had late summer rain to plump up the fruit. As mentioned last month, I got a good apricot harvest, as did most folks across the valley who have apricot trees. My Mount Royal and Toka plums had nice harvests, and I got some peaches. My apples bore less heavily, which was just as well, for the bears broke in repeatedly and broke some limbs off trees. Maybe next year I'll have that electric fence. Have you planted next year's garlic yet? It's best to do this in early September, but there is still a small window of time to get the cloves in and let them grow a bit before the soil freezes. Choose your best cloves from last year's harvest or buy good-sized clusters from the store and break them into single cloves. Plant the cloves about 2 inches deep with the root end down, of course, and about 4 inches apart. They'll send up a green top in the fall, then come back in the spring. 
You may still have some potatoes in the ground. Now is the time to dig, wash, and store those for winter. Try to keep them from getting too much sunlight on the tubers, as that develops solanine, which is a toxin that can cause problems, especially for sensitive folks. Before the soil freezes solid, you can also dig root crops and store them for winter. Beets, carrots, parsnips, daikon radishes, turnips, and rutabagas all store fairly well in a cool, damp location such as a root cellar or basement. They'll even do fairly well in the corner of the back bedroom. Put them in a dark box and wrap it with old blankets for insulation. I grow most of my tomatoes outdoors and try to ripen as many as possible on the plant by covering them during the first few frosts. However, in Colorado, I always end up with quite a few green ones at the end of the season. I can bring those inside and lay them out in a warm place, and many of them will ripen over time. I sometimes have a few ripe ones for Thanksgiving or even Christmas dinner. However, I also like to make green tomato chow-chow or another relish. Chow-chow is an old southern favorite to eat with beans in the winter. After the first frost, and we've brought in the winter squash and pumpkins and dried and threshed the beans we've saved for dry beans and saved any seeds we might want for mature lettuce, kale, chard, and spinach plants, it's a good time to take stock of our soil and see what we may need to do for next year's plants. We'll talk about that next month. And we have this note from Crestone Charter School, written by Cynthia E. Garner. Help get ukuleles for CCS kids. Crestone Performances is working in partnership with parent volunteers in the 4th and 5th grade classroom at Crestone Charter School to upgrade the set of ukuleles. The classroom teacher, Daya Shaid, uses music throughout the day and teaches the children how to play chords and to sing using educational and heart-centered songs. Music is strongly linked to emotional well-being and higher learning outcomes, as well as improved mental health. Currently, the classroom has an older set of ukuleles that are in need of replacing. They will be able to be sent home with students for home practice once the new classroom set is purchased. Because Daya is a musician, he understands the value that a higher quality instrument can bring to a learning player. The new ukuleles will be used not only in school performances, but by the students throughout the community as well. Daya hopes to encourage the students to busk street performances in order to help raise funds for the new instruments and bring joy to the community. And this article from the Crestone Eagle, Fuel Our Commitment to In-Depth Journalism. If you're enjoying our content, help us bring you more. Your donation, no matter how much, plays a vital role in securing the future of independent journalism. By supporting us, you become a beacon of truth in an age of misinformation. Join us in shaping a better informed community. Visit the website www.crestoneagle.org or send your donation to P.O. Box 101, Crestone, Colorado, 81131. And taking a look at the community calendar, on Saturday, October 28th, Crestone Performances brings Youth Open Mic at T Road Brewery. On Sunday, October 29th, Death Cafe by Inform Final Choices, Elephant Cloud Market, 3.30 p.m. For information, call 719-588-7415 or check the website www.deathcafe.com. And we have a notice of a 
2023 coordinated election per Colorado Revised Statute 1-5-205. Swatch County Clerk and Recorder Trish Gilbert announces that the 2023 coordinated election will be held on Tuesday, November 7, 2023. Ballots were mailed out to all active registered voters beginning on October 16th. The ballot packet will include one ballot, one secrecy sleeve, instructions, and one return envelope. Voters will mark their ballot, insert it into the secrecy sleeve and instructions, insert this into the return envelope, sign the envelope where indicated, and mail or return the voted ballot to the Voter Service and Polling Center at the Clerk's Office in the Swatch County Courthouse, 501 4th Street, Swatch. The VSPC will be open from Monday, October 23rd through Tuesday, November 7th, Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., on Saturday, November 4th from 7 a.m. until 11 a.m., and on Election Day, November 7th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Voted ballots may also be deposited into the ballot drop boxes at the following locations. The South Parking Lot of the Courthouse, 501 4th Street in Swatch, Mercantile Edition, located at 182 East Galena Avenue in Crestone. Center Town Hall, 294 Worth Street in Center. Beginning October 20th, the drop boxes will be available 24 hours each day until 7 p.m. on Election Day. Ballots must be received by 7 p.m. on Election Day. Ballots received after 7 p.m. on Election Day will not be counted. Postmarks do not count. This was written by Trish Gilbert, Clerk and Recorder. And that is all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us. For the Crestone Eagle, my name is Paula Vaughn. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.